Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Attacking Third on this Monday. There is only three of us today. A3, Lisa Carlin, Darian Jenkins, Jenny Chu here for you today. Uh, we're going to give you the recap of the U.S. Women's National Team against Columbia. That friendly, we have guests on. We're just going to talk about all the news that are happening as well. But I just want to get your guys' first uh, reactions to A3, the three of us. I like it. It's yeah. on theme. Yeah. We I like it, too. It. We've, we've handled a red card here and there before on this show, um, and, and we can handle it again down today. Yeah, yeah, we got it. A red card. That was a really nice one. All right, let's go ahead and get started in the news because we have so much to talk about today. We're going to start in Spain as FIFA have handed Luis Rubiales a three-year ban for forcibly kissing Jenny Hermoso during the Women's World Cup trophy ceremony. The action violated Article 13 of the Disciplinary Code, which related to offensive behavior and violations of fair play principles. The former Spanish Federation president will be banned from any and all footballing-related activities. Rubiales has stated that he will appeal that ban. Uh, according to a report in The Athletic, actually, before we get to that one, let's go ahead and talk about this Luis Rubiales situation. Uh, my apologies. The fact that he has been banned for three years, what does the three years mean, first of all? Great question. <laughs> Only three years? Like, how, how do you come up with that number? The investigation mm -hmm. is still going. Why only three? Why should you be allowed to work in football? Ever again. You should never be allowed. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I'm disappointed that there's a timeline set on it. Uh, I don't think he should have the ability to work in women's football ever again or in a position of power where he has influence over people's careers. It's, it's 
scary. I don't really understand what that means. And it's only three years, the ban, yeah. right? But he also has 10 days to appeal it, which, as Jenny said, he will appeal it. Yeah, he already course. said that. I yeah. mean, he's he refused to step down. He still does not believe he's done anything wrong in this situation. So the fact that it's only a three-year ban actually scares me mm -hmm. for three years from now, because if he doesn't think he's done anything wrong, what's going to stop him from trying to get to the top of the Spanish Federation ever again? Oh, that's what we've been seeing consistently, though, is that he has continually said that he has done nothing wrong when the entire world has faced him and said, hey, unacceptable behavior, and he's been like, no, no. Yeah, it'd be almost be out of character for him to accept the mm -hmm. three years and just roll with the punches. It's so. like it took a while to get to this as well, just to be like, oh yeah, three-year ban for the kiss that we all saw. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. I hope in his appeal, he ends up screwing up more and they are like, you know what, you actually you just shouldn't work in women's football ever again. I, I don't know. And it's crazy. There's an investigation going on within Spain outside mm -hmm. of FIFA that will hopefully uncover things that we, the public, have yet to know about, which I hope that FIFA takes that into consideration as well, right? Maybe they can come back and yeah. say, actually, we changed this three-year ban to... 10-year ban. For, uh, personally, I would like it to be a lifetime ban yep. for him. Right. Uh, never be allowed back inside the Federation and in, under FIFA's umbrella ever again. But they didn't do that. And, and it took them a while to make these initial decisions as well. Um, it's been a long, lengthy process. And ultimately, like we want the players to be okay with with their federation and working mm -hmm. for this for sure. and, and to be comfortable. And we did see Jenny Edmoso score mm -hmm. a goal for her country. And that, that was really nice to see. Um, but again, this Luis Rubella situation continues to be ridiculous. The fact that he's getting to appeal this and the fact that it's only three years. We'll continue with the news where, according to a report in The Athletic, Angel City are set to make Becky Tweed their head coach for the 2024 season, removing the interim label from her title. Tweed took over for Freya Coom, who was fired following a disappointing start to the season. Tweed led the team to an impressive turnaround that included an 11-game unbeaten streak and a historic postseason berth and the first in franchise history. Guys, I feel like this was pretty obvious. I feel like there was no other way to turn. We were saying Angel City just needs to make her the head coach. I love that Lisa was, you know what? If she wants it. Like, <laughs> it was her choice. I know. I, I love choice. you said that every time we had this conversation, and I'm here for it because they would be crazy not to offer her this position. Exactly. How she turned this team around, how she got all of the players bought in. The stats don't lie. I... Yeah, to, I think the sky's the limit with her. And imagine what she can do in a full year with players exactly. and how she can develop the team, um, especially coming off of the end of this season and how much camaraderie she had and how much buy-in. I think it, they'd be crazy to not have her give her the job, and I'm happy for her. I hope she's... I mean, I would be ecstatic to be the ACFC head coach. Um, but yeah, kudos to her. Give her her flowers because it's so deserved. She's the first coach in NWSL history to be an intern and still receive an honors for Ooh. Coach of the Year nominations. Like, That's crazy. That is so well-deserved. Mm -hmm. She deserves to be offered this position. And I think the fact that she took it also says a lot, too, about yeah. the program and what Angel City has built in Los Angeles and the players that she has. Because she didn't build that team. That was mm -hmm. Freya Coombe who built the roster. And she was able to take what she had and turn that into success. Look at the offseason for Becky Tweed. Coming up, she has an expansion draft. She has an, a college draft as well. And she has a season next year where there, well, there will be two more clubs coming into the league that she has to navigate that as well. She took and this free team, agency. Free agency as well. She took this team now to a playoff position in just their second year. I mean, it's impressive for Angel City and Becky Tweed with what she was able to do. Now she's going to have all of the offseason to prepare for next year. And this team is 
only going to continue to grow and climb and be a, more of a contender in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. The fact that she completely turned that team around is yeah. so incredibly impressive. I mean, yeah. the run that they went on immediately when she took over, she obviously fixed something that was happening in that team. And the players seem to respect her so much, mm -hmm. and they're all so happy for her. You know, we saw the quotes coming out from Sarah Gordon saying that, you know, a little bit of an expletive, but that she deserves <laughs> this, you know. That, um, but really exciting to see what Angel City continues to build. Exactly. And... Uh, Darian and Jordan on this show, they did a breakdown of Angel City pre-Becky Tweed and post-Becky <laughs> Tweed and the intensity, the organization and the defensive structure that she built into this Angel City side once she took over was executed immediately. The mm -hmm. players were bought in. And if you have a coach that you believe in as a player, you're so much more likely to give your all every single day and fight for them. Yeah, you could definitely see it just in the mentality of mm -hmm. the team and even when they were down or unsure coming into a game, they beat Portland five to one. I know. That they, was they awesome. That awesome. Game. Yeah, you can just see the immediate buy-in, how they are a huge team to play against now. I think it's scary going into next year thinking of what they're going to do and how difficult they're going to be to play against with her as the full-time coach. Darian, just to get into the mind of a player, you know, there are differences in coaches, you know, and obviously there was the same exact roster, difference between when mm -hmm. Freya Kuhn was at the helm and when Becky Tweed took over. Um, what is it about coaches that kind of make you tick differently? I think it's when a coach can motivate you and speak to something inside of you that's not, I'm telling you what to do, so do it. So even when things, you can have a crappy training facility or have to drive an hour mm -hmm. training, do your own laundry. These have been circumstances in the NWSL, not saying this is for Angel City, but when you have a good coach, None of that matters. When you're just there and you know you have a ride-or-die coach that wants to win games, that is there to motivate you and develop you and is bought into the team and is going to ride-or-die with you, it makes showing up for games and training that much better. And I think that that's what we're seeing with Becky Tweed and clearly the success she's had this season. Stats don't lie, like we said before. And, yeah, I think it's really impressive, and I love seeing a female coach go yeah. in and yeah. kill it. Huge. And it's it's funny because it's actually, it's this is what they wanted mm -hmm. from the beginning uh, in the foundation Angel of Angel City, City like mm -hmm. a really dominant women head coach and full circle moment, they really got it. And she's going to be, uh, have a great career, I think, in the NWSL. Beautiful. Well, the Ballon d'Or ceremony took place today in Paris with Aitana Bonmati taking home football's top individual prize. Bonmati was the heavy favorite uh, to follow in the footsteps of last year's winner Alexia Putellas. The midfielder left Barcelona to wins in the Women's Champions League and Liga EFE last season. And then the Spanish national team to a historic first Women's World Cup triumph this past summer. Her accolades continue, Lisa. Yeah, this is huge for Bomati and so well-deserved. You talk about with Barcelona winning the Champions League. She also won best player of that. She mm -hmm. won best player at the World Cup. So not only was she helping her team to win these great achievements, but she was the one putting mm -hmm. the team on her back throughout that with her 13 goal contributions for Barcelona throughout the Champions League. She's such a good player on both sides of the ball. Defensively, she puts in the work rate to win the ball back. And offensively, when she has the ball, she can wiggle out of tight spaces. She can dribble through lines. She can pass through lines and she can finish and find the back of the net which goal contributions are huge um, this is so so well deserved in her second year being nominated for Bomati to win this yeah and I think a big thing to talk about too is everyone was focused on Alexi Puteas this last year mm -hmm. and how big of a space she was leaving with her injury and Bomati rose to the occasion and this is so well deserved you talk about her 13 goal contributions she elevates a team so much when she's in a match. And we talked about her during the World Cup. She was everywhere. Her heat map was all over the pitch, 
uh, on and off the ball. She's so effective, so so well-deserved. Couldn't think of another player that had the year that she had. This speaks a lot to Spain as well in general because you look at before 2021, not a single Spanish player was nominated for this award. And the last three winners have been Spanish players, Crazy. national team players. It's it's cool. It's really cool. That shows the what they've been building though. Yeah. Because yes. obviously we've seen that the youth level, we saw that they're winning at the U20 level, the U17 mm -hmm. level, and, and then they just won the, the final mm -hmm. um, full World in Cup. In their third ever cycle. <clears throat> and I want to reiterate this. It is the players. Yep. 100% it is the players doing all of this and Bomati deserves it. And you look at her teammate too, Periuelo, who's exactly. also nominated, been a part of all of those World Cup teams. Like Spain is properly investing into their youth and you're seeing that in all of these players that are coming up and how effective and instrumental they are in just like expanding how good women's football really can be. And these players emulate just that. I cannot stop being impressed by Atana Bomati because mm -hmm. we saw her with Barcelona during yeah. Champions League. Uh, Darian, you were on the call with me for those matches, um, and we were just in awe mm -hmm. of everything that she does. And in a very, like, secretive way almost, you know? It's She's subtle. not the player you that don't just notice. kind of exactly yeah. that pops out at you as, like, that's where you should pay attention. But if you know the game, you're like, oh, wow, she's controlling the entire yeah. pace of this. Flair. Exactly. It's subtle flair. Exactly. And she's one of those players, too, where you watch her what she does when she's not on the ball. Mm -hmm. oh, All yeah. of her movement before she actually gets on the ball or before she takes a shot is what's really special and differentiates her. We're just getting started here on Attacking Third. When we come back, we're going to break down the U.S. Women's National Team match against Colombia in a match that was full of firsts. Stay with us. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The U.S. Women's National Team came away with a 3-0 win against Colombia, and along with the W came some goals from Mia Fischel and Jaden Shaw. Fischel getting the opening goal for the United States in the 56th minute off of a corner kick, and the U.S. just kept rolling. Emily Fox serves this one in on a platter to Lindsey Horan, and the captain finishes it with such conviction. I've never seen a more beautiful volley. And then the young superstar Alyssa Thompson lays it off to her 18-year-old friend Jaden Shaw for her first ever national team goal in just her second cap. Her and Fischl both doing that in a stadium that means a lot to both Fischl mm -hmm. and Jaden Shaw. For Mia Fischl, she's from the San Diego area, and Jaden Shaw plays for San Diego Wave, so that's her home stadium at Snapdragon. It was electric from the young kids out there, Jenny. And it's something that we were asking for, you know, on yes. Thursday we were a bit frustrated on Friday show saying, hey, play the youth, play the youth, that's what we've been looking for. We've been looking to see this next chapter of, of Energizers. And we saw them come in at halftime and absolutely make a difference, Darian. And what was great was how free they were playing. I yes. think something we've all been very critical on with this U.S. Women's National Team is everyone almost fits into a box. It seems that we're not able to actually express how players typically play or the freedom that they could have. And these players came in, I think, because there's really nothing to lose yeah. at that point. You're just there to have fun. It's your first or second cap. You want to score. There's nothing, you know, it's a friendly. You have something to prove. And they came in and were so saucy on the ball. It was like watching when Rose Lavelle first came into the women's national team and everyone was like, whoa, 
This player is so technical, so swaggy, mm -hmm. is trying different things, going, taking players on 1v1 and has such great vision. And I love that trio of Alyssa Thompson, Mia Fischel, and Jaden Shaw. It was fun. It was electric. It Let's was, break it down. Let's it break it good. down. It yeah. was really good because we look at Fischel and Jaden Shaw. They This was each their second cap. Mm -hmm. And the first cap for Mia Fischel, she got about 25 minutes. And she showed herself. She looked really good. Jaden Shaw, she got three minutes in this first match against Colombia. In the second one, they both come in at halftime. So automatically, they've gotten more time than they've ever had before. And their creativity was allowed to be released. Yes. There was freedom on the ball, interchange in the front line. There was dummies and back heels. They looked like they were just playing with a lot of freedom and creativity, mm -hmm. which, frankly, we didn't see in the first 45 as much for this United States side. Yeah. And then when they brought in Alyssa Thompson at the very end, she also added a different wrinkle of energy off the ball and, and backtracking, pressing. And really the biggest factor for me was the interchange of the three players up yep. top. For the first 45 minutes when it was Trinity Rodman, Alex Morgan, and Sophia Smith, it was very one-dimensional, running in vertical lines mm -hmm. down the pitch, yeah. maybe cutting inside once or twice here and there. In the first 10 minutes that Shaw Fischel um, were on the pitch with Trinity Rodman, it was immediate overlapping. And Jaden Shaw was in the middle, and then she was out wide, and Mia Fischel was in the midfield. And it just it, it provided so many more dimensions for this team. You know what's great, too, is I even saw Lindsey Horan come a little mm -hmm. bit more alive when the younger players came on the pitch because I think it allowed her to get into that creative mindset that we know that she has and how technical she is. She starts scoring goals. She's laying off, flicking, and doing yeah. combinations with these younger players. Yeah. And it just looked fun. It, like, made me want to go and play. But, um, yeah, I think it allowed – it took a lot of pressure off, and it just – was a time to express themselves. And it's what we've been asking for for months from this women's national team. So there's a lot more work to be done, but I, it's really exciting that these younger players finally got the chance to prove themselves and prove us all right. Yeah. If I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Darian, prove us I'll all right. Um, there's so many topics that I want to touch on there because there was so much excitement that we talked about a lot. One, I would say that consistently across the two games, Lindsay Horan has stood out as a leader on this mm -hmm. team. Um, that's not something that I really felt when she was named as the captain. I will go back on my word and say I was like, why, Lindsay? She has proven that across yeah, these she's games. She's played really well. Yeah. <clears throat> she's played really well, and she seems like this great leader. She's obviously putting everything on the field for her. So congratulations to her on getting her goal as well and seeing her with the young players was great. Um, but I want to just kind of get really into detail here about Mia Fischel because that's a player that we have to talk about because when Alex Morgan was on the field, the first 45, it was a completely different style yes. of play. Yeah, and, and I think in terms of Lindsay Horan in that first 45, she had a few different headers. She's clearly the aerial target in the box um, when the starting lineup that's out there is out there. The thing I noticed about Mia Fischel is immediately her physicality mm -hmm. on the pitch. She wants to play back to goal. She wants to receive the ball at her feet and hold off multiple defenders. Anytime there's an aerial challenge, Fischel is going to be up and challenging for it, winning a lot of them as well. And to have the versatility to not only have Fischel win challenges inside the box but Lindsay Horan it takes pressure off of Horan so she doesn't have to be the one getting her head on it every single time Fischl is one of the best number nines that we've seen because of her ver versatility she's got the aerial presence she can play back to goal she can combine really well with the players underneath of her if it's Lindsay Horan if it's Jaden Shaw out wide she can get into the box she loses her defenders I mean mm -hmm. the list goes on for Mia Fischl she is in a complete number nine. Yeah, I agree. And I think something that's really important about her game that maybe we haven't had with the women's national team 
is how she checks to the ball and pulls center backs out of position because we've always had great wingers who like to go 1v1. We know they're going to be fast and physical and get in behind. But I think in the first half, all the forwards were making the same runs. Mm -hmm. Everyone was running away from the ball. No one was really coming to. And when Mia Fischel came in, and she was checking off of the line, it allowed so much space. How much better was the U.S. switching the ball, mm -hmm. whipping the ball into space? Even Jaden Shaw was doing it from the opposite side of the pitch, which I was like, this girl's on fire. She's playing <laughs> like she's 27. I love this. Uh, but it just it gave so much more depth to the attack of this women's yeah. national team, and it proved it with all of the goals. And when Fischel drops deeper into the midfield, we saw that Shaw then pressed high. Mm -hmm. into that higher number nine in behind role. And the way that the system was set up, Emily Fox was on the right at that point. She was able to get yep, higher. And her. that's how she got the assist to Lindsay Horan's goal because of that movement. Mm -hmm. And that freedom it, is, it what is what is allowing this team to flourish. That yeah. freedom that we're talking about, that they're actually intertwining and they don't feel so mm -hmm. compelled to just go one-way streets yeah. is what the difference that we're seeing with this national team. And that's exactly what we need to see going forward. Um, but as we talk about Mia Fischel, there were some comments on her in the press conference. Uh, and her playing with Tigres and now being with the national team. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Alejandro from San Diego Punta Football. Mia Fischel has been playing at this level for the past couple seasons with Tigres Femenil. What do you think took so long for the U.S. national team to take notice of her? Well, before she answers that, I'm going to say she wasn't playing at this level because she was playing with Tigres and not at the national level. But you can speak to her talents. Yeah, I think... Um I think we, well, I know we were watching Mia with Tigris, and uh, she did a great job with them. And we also had some other talented forwards in the mix, and it wasn't the right time for the coaching staff at the time to bring her in. And I think that she's benefited a lot from her time at Tigris. She, I've known Mia since she was a young, young player, very young player. And uh, you can, what she developed playing for Tigris is, is more, um, I think actually some of that back to goal and combination play underneath and things like that were well practiced with Tigres. And now you see her adding a different element to her game at Chelsea. And this is just part of her journey. And now she has a next step with her journey with us. Um, but I know she really values that time at Tigres and, and so do I. I enjoyed watching her there. I, I actually got a chance to watch in person before I joined the national team staff and after I joined the national team staff. And it's a great, great club. And uh, she had a high impact there, and, and now she's on to a different chapter of her life, and, and both have an influence in the player that she is that is now with us. Um, two very different reactions there. There's Aaron Heifetz, the PR for U.S. Women's National Team, cutting in, um, saying what we heard there. Mia Fischel has been playing. Oh, sorry. Before she answers, Mia wasn't playing at this level. She was playing in Tigres and not at a national team level. Um, We'll get into it, but Twyla Kilgore's answer was very different. I, I appreciate her answer, but it feels like that comes into question about how these American players are being judged and evaluated and whether there's an American and Eurocentric bias um, to saying, yeah, she's not playing at this level. She's playing with Tigres. Where, wherever she was playing, she was completely dominant in the league and she was scoring 30 goals in a season. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of scoffed that he cut uh, Coach Twyla Kilgore off and said that. And I think, I, I don't know, watching her reaction, I was really surprised. Um, yeah, I thought that that was kind of distasteful. Mia Official has been killing it from college to pro in every level of her pro career. And I think it's been a long time coming that she gets this opportunity to be in the women's national team. Um, yeah, I really didn't like that, but he, he also wasn't asked the question. I don't know why he jumped in at that moment. I think 
Uh, Twyla Kilgore answered it. I liked her answer at the end. She was just developing that part of her game, and we wanted yeah. to give her a chance with Chelsea to develop more, which I totally agree. She's training with the best of the best every single day at Chelsea with a really amazing coach. Um, but, yeah, the, the official's that girl. She has been that girl <laughs> coming in scoring goals. She's adding layers to this women's national team, and I think it's just going to be more and more creative and how they're going to utilize her playing uh, with her back to goal and that's what this U.S. Women's National Team's been missing for a really long time. So I hope she has a chip on her shoulder hearing that. And it's like, you know what? Watch this next game. Darian, I got you. I, I think Mia Fischel already had a chip on her shoulder yeah, of before course, yeah. any of this. Because she got she chose not to play in the NWSL. Mm -hmm. And she chose to go to T-Grace after being drafted. And teams wanting her in the NWSL. Yep. And she chose to play in Liga MX Femenil and get 30 goals across the season or, or across the year for them. And then she signs with Chelsea. And she was able to develop her game, I think, in a really different way than if she was in the NWSL. She, Definitely. She played and won the golden boot and was incredible throughout them. And I think that the the level of Liga MX Femenil can't be in question right now because no. you look across the NWSL, there are multiple clubs that have partnered with the, the domestic league in Mexico to have friendlies and to compete with mm -hmm. them and to invite them to the United States and go to Mexico and play during the preseason for both sides and to create that competition and also that partnership. There yeah. are CONCACAF partners. We should want to be developing them. And there's apparently a, a joint bid coming from yes. them. Yes. So you would want yes. to be in partnership and not be speaking down towards, sorry, I took this personally as a member of the Mexican national team. There are about four members of the Mexican national team on this Tigres side as well to say, hey, no, you know, this is not that level. Like you said, Mia Official has been that girl no matter where she is. Like, yep. don't, don't think to, to speak down upon it. Yeah, it's just been part of her development as a as the player that we're seeing her now. And whether he agrees or not is honestly irrelevant. She's here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and scoring goals. So... Yeah, go go me official. You're killing it. Don't don't listen to that. You made the right decision. Your career is skyrocketing right now, and yeah, Inevitable. so well deserved. She controls yeah. her career. Yeah, right and, now, I, and she we, has. I love that because cool. we actually don't see that a lot from players mm -hmm. that are like, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm going to pave my own way. And she's yeah. playing at Chelsea, and is now on the women's national team. Snaps to that. We National love it, Mia Fischel. Absolutely. All right, we have so much more coming for you. I know there was a lot to talk about there from the match, but we're going to bring in Sandra Herrera to talk more about that when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We are now joined by CBS Sports journalist Sandra Herrera. Sandra, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. You're always happy to be here. We're always happy to have you. Um, we just finished up a conversation about the U.S. Women's National Team, and we have so much more to talk about from that match against Colombia. What are your initial reactions to that one? Uh, not not great. I look, we got to see uh, four 
45 minute shifts. And I think we saw one good one um, out of all of the four that we saw. So I think there are some positives to take away, as always, when you're looking at uh, potential new faces involved in the mix. But as far as this interim period for Twyla Kilgore, she went out there and did ultimately what she was asked to do, which was just kind of navigate this team through this very unique period of time as they continue to go ahead and search for whoever the next manager of this team is going to be. Sandra, you're alluding to the four different 45-minute halves that we got to see and only one of them being up to par. I'm, I'm assuming that means the last 45 that we got to see, the second half of this 3-0 win for the U.S. However, in the first 45 of this second match, I was really impressed with midfielder Savannah DeMello. I think that when she came into this game and started, she brought a different energy. Her off-ball press and her high regains, her ability to come out and press alongside Alex Morgan in that double nine really worked for the United States and helped give them a little bit more punch and pizzazz. Plus, her set piece services were worlds better than we saw in the first game and that we've seen consistently from the United States. They had 13 services in their attacking end on set pieces, yet not many of them found the goal mouth to force a save. What do you think needs to be the difference maker for the United States in capitalizing on those set piece chances? You know, I think it's going to be a combination of just kind of this, whoever the new manager is going to be coming in, getting on board and getting everyone on the same page. I think what isn't what hasn't gone missing here is that the players who get called up into these last four games specifically for the September windows to now these two matches in October. These are players who have played together through the World Cup. But there are still those moments that even when you're looking at some of the improvements, even if it's something as small as rotating a new player into the starting 11, in this case, it's Savannah DeMello who you're alluding to. Maybe that's the player that can help unlock some things. And yet we still didn't see any of those goals happen within that first half, despite them matching their shots on target total compared to that first match right in that first 45 minutes. It's like, OK, now they've got the two uh, attempts on target. Surely one of these is going to go in. But there were also some moments there where you're looking at this level of play. And I kind of said to myself, well, we're watching them get these free kicks. We're watching them get set pieces and corners. And we're seeing some of this service get in. But they're just missing the mark. And maybe a part of that is due to the fact that they have been struggling to kind of get on the same page for, for quite some time. And maybe you go back and look at the coaching in that aspect to say, how are we going to get these players all together on the same page moving forward? It, maybe it's not too shocking to see that in the second half, when additional adjustments were made, rotating in more players into the mix, we started to see an another sense of urgency. It was like two different f forms of, of a reset button that were hit when you brought in a Savannah DeMello to start the game and then when you brought in some other players and, and Jaden Shaw and Mia Fischel to go ahead and kind of carry things home. Sandra, talk about resets. In this second match, there were 47 fouls total across both teams. So Columbia obviously came in wanting to be really aggressive, knock the U.S. players off of the ball, and I think get in their heads a little bit. Do you think that that was a big hindrance in this match or that it kind of helped this second wave come in and put some goals away? Choppy play sometimes leads to a choppy game. And I think we saw that. I think you're correct. It's wild to kind of hear that number, you know, kind of the next, the day after. Uh, but good teams find a way. Good players find a way. And I think we saw that come to light in that second half. 
Well, Sandra, we know that another U.S. women's national team coach has to be announced, I guess, soon is all we can know for now. Um, what are the traits that you think this national team coach should have? Just someone who's ready to take on a new challenge. You know, this should be a position that is one of the most lucrative in the world, and yet it's coming at a really awkward time, I think, for one of the biggest programs across the globe. There are coaches that are already settled in to their positions uh, in other national team programs or in club programs, and there's an Olympics that's right around the corner. So someone that's just kind of going to want to come in um, – embrace that new challenge. Obviously, tactical awareness is going to be huge. We heard a lot about some of the difficulties in that, but not someone who can come in and just provide the tactics and give a definitive style of play. Someone who can actually communicate that to the players. I think during the World Cup, we heard a little bit about that as well. So someone with the ability to make those adjustments, scouting and development, I think is, is, a, huge, is a huge one for the next head coach that comes in. And someone who's not afraid to be a little bit of a dream crusher. Let's be real. This is um, the highest level of play that a professional athlete could reach. And sometimes that comes with the gig. Sometimes you need to have a coach that comes in and say, actually, we're moving on and you're not part of those plans. And it is absolutely heartbreaking and not a position that anyone ever wants to be in. Uh, but that is the seat. That is the hat that you put on sometimes when you take on this role. Sandra, it is the 0.01% that gets to play on this team. And that doesn't mean it's fit for everyone. I think you make a great point there. When this coach is named, what needs to be number one on their to-do list to get done as head coach of the U.S.? Uh, Lisa, they, they got to win. They got to win. Not only do they have to win, I think they have to win convincingly. I think we talked a little bit about the four halves uh, that they had against Columbia just in these last two matches. And it took those final 45 minutes for them to kind of rack up the three goals. And we saw that happen when... They got some of that young blood in and into the mix on the pitch, whether it was Jaden Shaw or Mia Fischel. Two goals that I really, really loved, but I really, really appreciated that final and third goal from uh, the combination play between Thompson and Shaw, the two 18-year-olds on the pitch. So uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see them win, but I want to see them win convincingly. We still need to see that full 90-minute performance from this team that I think a lot of folks have been looking for, thought they would see it in the World Cup, and we didn't necessarily get that. So they got to come out here. Win, win convincingly, go out in 2024, win that gold cup, and keep building towards the Olympics. Well, Sandra, I completely agree with you, but I will say those last 45 were worthy of celebrating because those goals, oh, yeah. teenager to teenager goal, was really, really worth it for me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for always joining us, Sandra. Take it easy, y'all. When we come back, we're going to speak to the hero from OL Reign's quarterfinal match, Veronica Latsko. She joins us to talk about their playoff win and how the team is feeling going into the semifinals against the San Diego Wave. Don't miss it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Into the box again, headed down, up and he's in it in. Latsko is in the middle of that. Bennett offering, deflected, and headed in. Rapino. Ross in, Latsko again! A brace for Veronica Latsko. 
Scorpino off her right foot header in! Veronica, let's go! Welcome back into Attacking Third. We are so excited to bring in Veronica Latsko, who's joining us today, uh, OL Reign player. Also, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Congratulations on scoring the game winner, first of all. I just want to say, in the dying minutes of a playoff <laughs> match to score, that is what dreams are made of. When you're a child, that's exactly what you think about. What was it like for you? Yeah, no, it was pretty surreal. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty exhausted by that time in the game. Uh, it was a lot of running. Uh, but honestly, it was such a good ball from Phoebe. And we lived together in college. So it was it was a really cool moment. And that celebration with Megan Rapino was so beautiful to watch. What was that like? Again, really surreal. Uh, honestly, like my favorite kind of celebration is just everybody like, rushing me and giving me a hug. So it was really awesome to just feel so loved and supported. It was great. Veronica, the game winner, the celebration, it was all historic and incredibly iconic. However, the win in general made history for OL Reign. It was the first in five that this club was able to get a playoff win. What was the factor for this team to shake that monkey off their back? Honestly, I think that towards the end of the season, our last couple games, we started to get more in a rhythm and more in form. So it was a bit of a culmination from the previous two games, grinding our way into this game and throughout the entire match. It, honestly, it just felt like it was meant to be. And at no point in time did I feel or anyone else on the field feel like we were going to lose that game. Like we were in it. And regardless of the moments of defending that seemed hectic and chaotic. We were just so invested and so in it. We knew if we could get to the end of the game, we could we could win it. The dedication paid off. OL Reign secures the win. And now the club had an international break before you head into the semifinals. So this past week that you had off no games, what did the team get into? What did you guys do? Uh, it was a lot of... Uh, training and like working on things we needed to work on and just continuing to keep that competitive flair going into this upcoming weekend. And yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun just training and not having to have the pressure of a game on the weekend and focusing on things that individually we want to get better on. And as a collective, we want to get better on. Veronica, you have always been a beast to play against. I know from playing against you in the NWSL from your time at Houston, and this season so far has been one of your best in your professional career with five goals and two assists, including the postseason. What's been the biggest difference maker for you this year playing with Rain? I think getting comfortable with this team and how this team plays was huge for me, and the support system that's here that helps you grow as a player. So learning how to be in the system and then having the confidence to make those mistakes either on the field or off the field and being supported regardless. So as long as you're trying to grow as a player, this team will support you. And I have felt that so much this year, and I feel like it's really shown in my game. It's definitely shown in your game. Do you credit that to the veteran players? You have Pino, Fishlock, Lou Barnes, who have been at Rain from the very beginning of it that have kind of created this culture where you can make mistakes and grow as an individual player and grow with this team? 
Absolutely. I think it starts with the veterans and then continues with the younger players that just take up that mentality and embrace it fully. So you have from your oldest players to your youngest players all embracing this kind of mentality and everybody's doing it and training it in games and everybody's supporting each other. And you just feel like your potential is limitless. Veronica, this year, now that you've really hit your groove and, and it is one of your most complete seasons as well as a player and with this team overall, what would you say, like when you're on the pitch and things are just going your way and you feel like you are having the best game of your life, what does that look like for you? Oh, I would say that it's when I am, one, doing the simple things right. So making sure that I'm in the proper defensive position, being on the front foot defensively, uh, getting the press right to help our team win the ball up in higher positions on the field, as well as uh, taking those risks and being brave and willing to go forward with the ball instead of playing the safe ba pass backwards and being able to push myself as a player, both physically and mentally by taking those risks. And obviously they're calculated risks, but it's having that bravery to do it in the first place. That's so beautiful. You can definitely like hear that yeah. she absolutely feels that emotion. Um, <clears throat> when you're preparing for a semifinal and then you have an international break, smack in the middle of it, how odd is that? But also you mentioned that it was really nice to not have the pressure of a game. Do you feel like all teams have felt this way? Yeah, I remember last year when we had an international break in the middle of playoffs when we had a bye the first game, and that felt really tough because when you have like a weekend off, it's different. When you have two, it makes it even trickier. And I think for us, just playing in that first quarterfinal game helped us keep that momentum and keep that groove. And I can't speak on behalf of the other teams that have had buys in the first uh, game, but at least for us, I think that having this quarterfinal and then having a break has helped our team like stay in a groove while also being able to recover from the quick turnaround from a Sunday regular season game to a Friday playoff game. So it was nice to just have this time to regroup and reset. Veronica, during this international break, a number of your teammates are competing internationally. And I want to talk about one of them because midfielder, defender, I don't even know what we're calling her now. Emily Sonnet has been absolutely crushing it with the United States. They played two friendlies against Colombia. And she slotted into that number six defensive midfield role and done it seamlessly. However, the world first saw her play that role with O.L. Reign and under Laura Harvey at this club. For you, watching Emily Sonnet play that defensive midfield position this season with O.L. Reign, how have you seen her grow as a player? Sonnet is one of the best players I've ever played with. And we started playing together in college. She was a junior when I was a freshman. And he just knew that she was just going to kill it at whatever level she was going to be at. She's one of the most competitive people I've ever met, one of the smartest soccer players I've ever played with. And... Honestly, I'm I'm not surprised that her form here at OL Reign has translated to the international level because she's just such an incredible player. And I'm so happy that she's finally getting the recognition for how good she is 
because a lot of times what she provides on the field isn't the flashy things that you see or uh, that gets recognized. It's the dirty work behind the scenes, making sure she's in the right position to force the right turnover or winning the ball and providing it for the forwards higher up the field. It's, it's things that go unnoticed a lot of times. And she is just such a good player, and I am so happy for her, and I'm not surprised at all to see how well she's doing. She's such a good player and so versatile. So I want to know from you, do you like her as a center back or do you like her higher up the field in the midfield? I like her on the field. Anywhere <laughs> on the field. Honestly, <laughs> That's I a great answer. Emily Sonnet on the field anywhere, she's going to make your team better. And hopefully she doesn't take up a forward position, but... <laughs> Regardless, I know she'd kill it. She's so good. I love how you speak about your teammates, and you just lit up when we talk to you about your teammates. So I'm going to ask you about another teammate of yours, Megan Rapino. It is her final season. What has she done to impact you? What P's done to impact me is it goes beyond just the field. I think that playing with her, like so on the field, playing with her has made me a smarter, better soccer player. And the things that she can see, it's it's difficult to describe because like I wouldn't notice it otherwise. She's she's such a smart player. She's so talented and she's so willing to share that information with everybody because she wants everyone around her to be the best that they could possibly be as well. And it's so much fun playing with her on the field to play with such a brilliant player with such enthusiasm for the game still it's incredible and off the field she's one of the biggest advocates for women and in women's sports and it's such an incredible time in my life to be a part of everything that she's doing and I think I'm not the only one that can say this but she inspires a lot of people to not just like branch out and advocate for change but actually make that change and it's, it's amazing. It's been an incredible experience. Speaking of Pino and her influence on the field, she's also brought some fun to the NWSL with her fashion. And I feel like she's kind of set off this wave in rain where you guys are one of the most stylish teams in the league. We asked your teammate, Jess Fishlock, who's the most stylish player on your team. Who do you think yours, yours is in your opinion? Oh, I don't know. There are some <laughs> really stylish players on our team. I would say P. I think Soph is very stylish, and the great thing about Soph is that she gives me her hand-me-down, so it's really, really great for me, too. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm very stylish, so anything I wear is definitely a product of Sofia Huerta and her closet. So, yeah, honestly, those two, for sure. Has Soph handed you anything that you're going to wear for this semifinal when you walk into Snapdragon at all? Yeah, probably. There's... I, <laughs> going to wear yet, but yeah, the majority of my closet is Soph's old closet. Which is really <laughs> we always appreciate that friend that yes. will hand over the clothes. Yes. I've been begging Darian to share clothes with me and she refuses. Um, Veronica, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck for the rest of the playoffs. No, thank you so much. We have more Attacking Third for you. Don't go anywhere. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back into our studios. During the break, Lisa and Darian could not stop talking about the U.S. Women's National Team game against <laughs> Colombia and the things that we haven't touched on yet. So I just want to point we live, out. eat, breathe, I sleep know. it, Jenny. <laughs> Who else, Darian, is someone that you want to point out and give flowers to from the match? I have got to give some flowers to Emily Fox. I've been fangirling her all year through the World Cup, and I think she's become a staple for this U.S. Women's National Team. Whether she's on the right, the left, she's playing in a sort of wing-back position, she's good. On the ball, off the ball, I just I think she's an incredible player, and I think she's really proved it. Like she's the only player that's not getting subbed off. Yeah. They're moving her position so that she and can stay she can on play the field. on either side. That's incredibly important. Yeah, when she, Crystal Dunn gets pulled out, she gets moved over. Yep, she's great with both feet, and she's so smart. Like whenever she's on the ball, she's never a player that you're like, oh, I'm, oh no. I don't know what she's going to do, or I don't know if she's going to be able to get out of this. She can dribble, she can play out. Yeah, like 100 percent the player of the last two games for me for the she's U.S. A, she's a box-to-box -box outside defender yeah. for the United States. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. I love watching her play. Mm -hmm. um, I want to give some flowers to midfielder Emily Sonnet because oh, yeah. I wasn't too high on, on her playing in the six role. I just didn't think that it was going to work. I didn't know how well she was going to be able to adjust to it and the speed of play and, and to live up to the demands that being a six in the United States for the women's national team demands of you. And throughout this Colombian match, the second one, she did a tremendous job of being in the right spot to mm -hmm. clog the holes for the Colombians and where they were looking to play through, to step up a little bit higher defensively, to cut off passes and get stuck into tackles. Yeah. And then on the ball, I think she found really quick out Outlet. She didn't wander with the ball too much, and she did a really good job of keeping the tempo of the game high and playing into the United States' favor in that sense. What I loved about that, too, is she was playing through the lines. Yeah. She wasn't just a horizontal six where they're just kind of going to keep possession and, like, lull you to sleep. She was really effective with her passes that she was playing through the line and got an assist in yeah, the end. exactly. Like, from a corner, but still her attacking presence is becoming more and more evident, mm -hmm. and I love seeing her growth in the sixth position, which is like crazy to even think and about, because you I, just think of her as such a staple defender. Exactly, and I think she can play the six alongside someone, mm -hmm. which we saw in the World Cup against Sweden, but she can do it by herself, which I wasn't sure if she was going to be able to hold down that position, and throughout the second 45, the other midfielders really pressed higher, and she was the lone six, and she did a really good job, Jenny. Mm -hmm. In that first match, I thought Andy Sullivan was not very good, and Emily Sonnet obviously, but, you know, introduces the aspect of having her in the six yeah. instead of Andy Sullivan. So that, that's incredibly interesting. But so much more to talk about. I know that we, we just continue to have more and more and more, but uh, we're going to have talk about the NWSL playoffs that are coming up this weekend on Wednesday. So make sure you join us then. Uh, we'll see you at 8 p.m. on Wednesday.